0: thank you for coming i hope you've had a good week so far it's great to see all of you here i've uh, I've had a lot of requests for the kind of information that i'm going to give to you tonight so um, so some of you this will be just be meat and potatoes and uh... And, uh but uh... As I've always tried to tell you through the years, the value of truth is never diminished because of repetition. So, I'm going to uh, give you a little lesson tonight, simply entitled, How Are People Saved? How Are People Saved? And we're going to come at it from a different direction. And uh, you've been standing for a while, so you remain seated. I want to go first of all to Acts. Chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And uh, Matthew, give me 30 and 31, if you would. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. This is, of course, the wonderful story of Paul and Silas in prison. And um, they it said they beat them. And then they put them in prison. And it said that they were in bonds. We're not talking the stock market here. We're talking handcuffs and shackles. So not only are they in a cell behind a door, but um, they're bound, and uh, it appears possibly hand and feet, and um, it says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing. There's a great scripture that says, weeping Endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. But what you have to realize is technically, the morning doesn't begin when the sun comes up. There's a.m. and there's (laughs) p.m. And uh, a.m. starts one minute after midnight. So it can still be dark, but uh, it's the morning. And um, at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing. Then it says, the prisoners heard them. I've been in prisons before, and um, it is a very, very loud place. Uh, Concrete, there are no soft surfaces in a prison. When you get into modern prisons today, they don't even have beds. They have a concrete shelf that comes out of the wall with a piece of foam rubber on it. Um, all of the uh, plumbing, any type of bathrooms, stainless steel. It's just all hard surfaces. And um, trust me, when you, 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 you can cuss and you can do all kind of, talk any, about any way you want to in a prison, and you can get away with it. But when you start singing worship songs, <laughs> them fellows are gonna—they're them fellows are gonna let you know it. They're—they're gonna—they're gonna tell you to shut up. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, Paul and Silas kept singing. Um, Paul didn't ever sell CDs. He didn't go on tour. He wasn't ever on the praise team. There's an interesting scripture in Corinthians where he said, my speech was somewhat contemptible. So I don't think he was a good singer. However, uh, whether he was on key or not, it's pretty obvious the Lord enjoyed his efforts. And it said, uh, God sent an earthquake. And uh, it says, all all of the doors were opened and everybody's bonds were loosed. And so according to Roman law if you had a prisoner and you lost that prisoner and you couldn't retrieve him you as the jailer or the whatever the law enforcement officer you had to pay his penalty. (laughs) So when this keeper of this prison comes in probably into a very, very dark place, um, totally convinced all these guys have taken off. He's going to kill himself. And uh, Paul let him know, we're all still here. That always amazed me. I, I, I guess I could understand why, why Paul and Silas stayed in their now opened jail cell. But all these crooks and all these convicts, I I would have thought they would have bolted for the door. But they didn't. Um, I I can't prove this, but I've been in places where there have been earthquakes. And usually the walls go out and then the roof comes down. But uh, (laughs) the jail didn't collapse. I'm wondering if these prisoners didn't have enough sense to realize, even though there was an earthquake, they were safe being around these two preachers. And um, I I don't know how many times I've said it over the years, but it's very real to me, so I, I pretty much say it every time I talk about this experience. Everybody's bonds were loosed. Everybody's doors were opened. But the catalyst... To make it happen was Paul and Silas. So, one of the lessons I've always gotten out of this was freedom never will come to the bound people who don't know the Lord until freedom, first of all, comes to the bound people who do know the Lord. When Paul and Silas got loose, everybody got loose. You know, there's a place in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter, chapter six. Where he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also, I always loved that. I saw, you know, uh, if you know Old Testament history, when Uzziah died, but he, the country went into a tailspin that they really never have ever recovered from. And being not just a, a, a government official, but also a prophet of God, Isaiah knew all this was coming. And he could have focused on the death of this, this leader and all of the horrible things that were going to happen after that. But that's not what he did. He said, when Uzziah died, I saw something else. I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And his train was filled the temple. And uh, when, we're not talking about Baltimore and... Ohio, you know, you're not talking about the Union Pacific Railroad here. It's talking about like a wedding gown, the train filled the temple. For years, I've taught you about that verse in Malachi where it said, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And the word that's translated wings there is a Hebrew word, kanaf, which can also be translated edges or borders of the garment. And so, one of the prophecies of Malachi was that that one of the ways you'll be able to know it's Messiah is there will be healing in the edges of his garment. And so when you go to the book of Matthew, I don't know. I think probably chapter nine, where that woman grabbed the hem of his garment and was immediately healed. And uh, I, I, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. I think it's chapter thirteen, but. Several chapters after that, it said, "And many besought him, if they could just touch the border of his garment." So this woman did it, and and people said, "Hey, I'm gonna do what she did," and and they were healed. But it was it, it was it was a prophecy that 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 Malachi had talked about. And so think of it when I Isaiah, Isaiah said that, that there were these beings. Holy, holy, holy. Um, I, I don't know how to explain this, but uh, the Scripture said they rest not day and night. But it's like when you get into Scripture, it said there is no night there. So, it's using our terms of time to describe what's going on there. And it, it, they rest not day and night. And Holy, holy, holy thou art. If if you you do your homework in the book of Revelation, and I I, I didn't write it down, but it's progressive. The closer you get to the Lord. There's one place where it said, um, all things were created by Him and for Him and for His pleasure. So, there's three things there. And then you go in later, and the next one I think there's four things. And then when you get really close to Him, there's like seven things. It says... You're worthy to, to, to receive glory and honor and power and might and wisdom forever and ever and ever. And it's like the closer you get to the Lord, there ought to be more reasons for us to magnify him. Because you realize, I, you know, it's it, I, I, so many. And again, these are old examples, but there's, there's, there's a big screen on the back wall right there. And if I hold up my hand right now, I can't see that screen. I can't see it at all but if i walk from this platform and i get back there by that sound system and i hold up my hand my hand is dwarfed by that screen so when it says magnify the lord with me i got to explain you got to understand this you can't make god bigger he's already full grown he's not going to get any bigger so what does it mean magnify it means get closer to him and if you get closer to him the the very small things that have blocked your your understanding of him get dwarfed and when you when you get close to him you get a better perspective of just how great he is the bible said cast this mountain into the sea mountains are big old things but let's face it, there's a thing in the ocean called the Marianas Trench. It'll hold every mountain in the world. So mountains are big, but there's something bigger than the mountains. And and so we have obstacles, but we got, a, we got a greater opportunity and a greater Lord. And the closer you get to Him, your obstacles get smaller and He gets bigger. It's just how close you're going to get to Him. You want to stay, keep your distance, fine. But but if you get closer to him, he doesn't get any bigger. You just get a better perspective of just how big he's been the whole time. And 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 think of this, the train filled the temple. It filled the temple. So the train is a garment. So if the train fills the temple, then anywhere in this building, you ought to be able to just reach up and Touch the hem of the garment. Wherever you are. Because it ought to be everywhere. And 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 it, it says this in Isaiah. It said, and the the door of the post moved, and the house was filled with smoke. <laughs> it, it's an analogy. It's 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 a typology. But every every church has has pillars you know usually they're older people people that have been around for a long time I, now I, I know and I know on Monday night prayer meeting it, most of the time my eyes are closed but I know when I open my eyes it won't be too long and Esther Spicer's is going to go by me I know that because that's what she does I, I, I understand that. I get that. But there are other people that they don't move too often. When you can get things that don't move very often and get them moving, the place can be filled with smoke. In other words, if the young people go, wow, I ain't never seen pastor do that. It's like, that's a move of God, you know. I, and, and it's like, when you, when you magnify him, I'm not saying you got to be goofy or weird, but challenge and stretch yourself. Don't always do it the same way. It, it, I, I could talk about the word praise. It, there's seven words for praise in the Old Testament. And, and one of them means to hold up your hands like surrender. Like, I give up, you know. There's another one where you hold your hands like this, where I am receiving. And there's all these different variations of, of praise. But, but most people just get stuck in one way of doing it. Just don't, the Bible talks about vain repetition. Don't get stuck in a routine or a rut. What would be so wrong with you before you come back to church on Sunday here to just take a little time and, and write out a brand new way of magnifying him with your mouth. Don't just say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But go through the word and string together seven or eight different things in the word that's used to describe him and memorize those and, and take that out for a drive. And, 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 and stretch, stretch your, it's, it's like I was in Okinawa and we had all these Marines and Air Force and and they have these three letter designations and they had dozens and dozens and dozens of them and uh, uh, for instance they had a thing called TDY and that meant temporary duty assignment and, and it was uh, we would build the church up to around 80 people and then we'd come back on Sunday and we'd have 15 <laughs> they all got shipped they, they, they went to Korea or they went back to North Carolina. And three different times in, in, in a year's time, it, it, it went whoop, boom, and we started all over again. And it, but but the, the, these, these fellows would say, I, I, I can't memorize scripture. And so I'd throw out about a dozen of these little acronyms that they had. They all knew what those meant. And I'm going, if you can memorize those, those things, you can memorize scripture. I've used the example of sports fans before. If you're this week, you know, the reason I know this, I I don't do it anymore, but I used to. And I still follow it from a distance, you know, and just uh, this this is Masters week. This is this is when they're playing uh, uh, this incredible tournament in Augusta, Georgia. And and. There's, there's four majors in golf, and you got the US Open, and you got the British Open, and you have the PGA, and you have the Masters. And if you can win all four, you know, that's called the Grand Slam. And there's only three people that have ever won all four of them. And, 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 and the reason I know this stuff is because I'm a fan. And, and I've been to Augusta, and I've walked over that course, and I, I was there for two days one time. I never saw a weed, not a weed. I mean, it's like a shrine. It's, you know, when you, when you hit, hit a ball with a club, especially an iron, it takes called, something called a divot. You, you, you take a big chunk of sod out, and, you know, and, and if you know what you're doing or you know the etiquette, you go get that thing and you put it back. But sometimes it, it gets all torn up and there is nothing to put back. So in Augusta, they, they filled divots with sand, but it wasn't just any kind of sand the sand was dyed green I, I never saw anything like that green sand and and they're they're famous for their pimento cheese sandwiches and 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 they 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 haven't raised their prices for years and when i was there you could still get a sandwich and a pop for a dollar 50 i mean it was it was unheard of but when i, I I, you know, I'm not crazy about pimento cheese, but you're at Augusta, for goodness sakes. You're going to get a pimento cheese sandwich. And so when I bought one, I was amazed because the little plastic bag it came in, the bag was green, and and, and the bread was dyed green, and it, and it, it, it was, you know, uh, like St. Patrick's Day all year long, you know, and you... You can only get that green shake at McDonald's for a couple weeks of the year, but man, when you go to Augusta, the sand's green and 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 and, and, and the bridge green and the plastic bags are green. And when the winner gets a green jacket, not just any jacket. It's a very specific thing called a pantone color that comes from Cleveland, Ohio. And it's it's just I, I can talk about that kind of minutiae and you're going, some of you others are going, oh, big deal, you know. But but I, I know that because I'm interested in that, and my deal is, they, they, we all have varied interests, you know. Greg 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 Westlake is here tonight, and 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 he could he could he could put you all to sleep talking about the variations of paving parking lots. He could tell you about different kinds of tar and different kinds of gravel and on and on and on and what to do on a cold day and what to do on a hot day. And, and he could tell you about striping parking lots. And did and, and you ever think about how, how do you stripe a parking lot? Man, I, I mean, there's a real science to that. And it's just he can do that because that's what he does to earn a living. Every one of us have varied interests. So my deal is if we, if we can learn that, why can't we learn some Bible? The Bible said the deep calls to the deep. When, when you think of bodies of water, every, every body of water, I, I don't care if it's a mud puddle, I don't care if it's a stream, a, a river, a lake, a sea, an ocean, I, I don't care. Every body of water has shallows and it has depths. And, and, and it's an analogy of our lives there, there, there are shallow places in our lives and there are deep places in our lives. And, and, and it says the deep calls to the deep. When, when God reaches out to you, he's not expecting a shallow response. He's expecting you. I, I, there are people here that know computer stuff. I, I said a couple of days ago, someone asked me, uh, what, what, what do you have in the cloud? And I told them, I don't have the cloud. I have Valerie. Valerie's my iCloud she just stores up everything that I, I stuff you know it's they do you know they put Henry Ford on trial they put him on trial years ago and 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 some foolish senator was basically they were jealous of all the money that he was making and they put him on trial and I forget exactly which one it was I I thought it was 26, but I, I, again, I, I, I give me my phone and I can figure that out. Which is, they, they you know, asked him who was the 26th president of the United States, and he said I don't know. And the senator said, "See there? See how foolish, how stupid, and ignorant this man is. I, I, how in the world could he do that when he didn't even know who the 26th president?" And Henry Ford said, "Listen," he said, "I got I got five buttons on my desk." You let me go back to my desk, and I promise you someone is on the end of one of them five buttons that knows who the 26th president of the United States is. And his point was, I'm just not going to clutter my brain with a bunch of stuff that, that I don't consider to be really, really vital. You know? And, and, just, and there's just things that are priorities to me, and there are things that are not priorities to you and, and to me. And, and so my, my point is, what, what did it take for you to get good at whatever it is you're good at. And my, my, my challenge is, why don't we take that same focused effort and apply it to the Lord and to worship? You got good at whatever it is you're good at. Let's get really good at worship. Let's get really good at prayer. Let's get really good at focusing in on the Lord. Because I'm convinced when we claim to know the lord but when they're not getting free until these people who claim to know god gets free we can't be bound and 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 be an immovable pillar we we got to you got to move you got to gain ground you just I think it was Thomas Edison who said, I have never, he said, every person and every man that I've met has in some way been my teacher and me in some way his student, that, that life, life is not full of, of mistakes, it's, it's full of lessons, and, and, and it's just, can you, can you learn the lesson, and can you learn the greatest lesson to benefit from somebody else's situation, you know, they say experience is the best teacher. No, it isn't. Tuition for that kind of education is too high. If everything you're going to learn in life is because of all the stuff you messed up, you're going to be so battered and banged up by the time you graduate. You're good for nothing. You've got to be wise enough to be able to look at somebody else's successes and mistakes and, and learn from that. It's It's just, you know... Can you look at an alcoholic and learn? I don't think that's a good option right there. Can you look at a, you know, how many people, it's so frustrating to me right now. I drive around, I see hydroponics. They're growing pot, okay? It's just, it's legalized now. And and, um, all of the law enforcement people agree. Pot is, a, is, 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 a, is a, what they call a gateway drug. No, nobody, nobody says, now I'm smoking weed right now, but well, in six months I'm going to be mainline heroin. That's what I'm really after. I, 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 that's my real goal. No one starts out like that. But it's a progressive thing. And, and I'm saying, can you look at something like that and learn from that? My, my wife and I were talking last week. And she said, you know, Harold, if I didn't serve the Lord, I'd be in real trouble. And I, I know me better than anybody else knows me. If I didn't serve the Lord, I wouldn't be married. I, 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 I'd be multiply divorced. If, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I didn't serve the Lord, my whole world would be an absolute disaster. I know me, and I know how I can just trade one addiction for another, and it's just like God help me to be able to view some. Yeah, I've made mistakes like all of us have, but I haven't made all the mistakes. And and it's it's like that you know that 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 what's the rich man and Lazarus and 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 he's begging. He said, "Would you just let me go back and talk to my relatives?" And and the Lord said, "No." They 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 got they got Moses and the prophets. That's enough. And and it's we we this is this is not scrimmage. This this is not the practice lap. We're, we're, we're not we you know we, we we don't believe in reincarnation. This is one shot that we get to live this life. And and 70 years ought to be enough time for it to figure it out. And realize serving Jesus Christ is a better way of living. You know? And and, and this is this this great story about how the man was stunned that Paul and Silas and the others were still in, in their jail cells. But he obviously realized Paul and Silas, they're the ringleaders here. He took them out. He washed and bathed their wounds. He fed them. And and this is this. It said that the jailer and his household believed. The the word household or house in, 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 in in the Bible, especially from Greek, is a word called oikos. It doesn't mean just you and your wife and your kids. It means everybody in your circle of influence not just your blood relatives, but people that are in your orbit. And it, and it wasn't just the jailer and his it was the jailer and his household. This this guy's a a, a big deal. He's a, he's a key player. You get him and, and something it, if you've ever been around sheep, there, there's something in all flocks of sheep known as a bell sheep. There's one sheep in that flock that that the others follow. You get that one and all the rest of it. It's the same way with soul winning. There are key people in a city. And if, if you can get them, there's a massive influx of people that will come as a result of that. And, 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 and so listen, listen to this. How, oh, we want to be saved. Okay, this is how you're saved. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, people say, Oh, Pastor Hoffa, don't say that. You, you're a Pentecostal. You, you, you believe people are saved by speaking in tongues. That's not what it says here. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So how are people saved? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch. Here's John 7. 37, 38, and 39. As you are probably aware of by now, there are seven feasts of the Lord in Leviticus 23. Just like we have 4th of July and Thanksgiving and Memorial Day. The Jews had seven high holy days. Seven festivals or seven feasts. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits the fourth one which is what we call pentecost trumpets atonement tabernacles it's september it's this is now there's synagogues everywhere but there's only one temple and if you read the book of exodus especially chapter 23 it said three times every year all the men have to come to jerusalem they have to be there it's mandatory and uh, if, if you've ever been a- around the Mormon faith, the Mormon faith is today a-, a-, a great picture today of Old Testament. Because in that Old Testament, the, the height of, of, of serving Jehovah was to be able to go into this building, to be able to go in the temple. If you've ever been around Mormon people, the, the ultimate experience here for a Mormon is to be able to go in the temple. And not just anybody can go in there. And, 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 and so it's, it's, it's September. It says in John 7, verse 37, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So this is the last feast, which is called Tabernacles. It was in September. The priest would take a pitcher, usually a silver pitcher, and he would walk out of the temple, and he would go to the Pool of Siloam, and he would dip a pitcher of water. And he would come to the outer court of the temple in front of all these people that have come there for the last festival of the year, the last real corporate church service. of the. Year. And he would pour this water on the ground. And it was, it was symbolic of we are, we are pouring ourselves out before you, God. We are emptying ourselves out before you. And that was it. You go home. So they're, they're leaving church after number seven. This, they're, they're not coming back until April. So you've got eight months before they're coming back to church again. And it says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Watch. Watch. For he that believeth on me, as Pastor Hoffman has said, or he that believeth on me, as this rabbi said, or this priest, or this imam, or whatever. No, it says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus wasn't glorified. Now, I'm not saying the book of Acts is more important than any other book of the Bible. However, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all end with the same story. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and then he leaves. You can pick it up later in the book of Revelation, but it's about 80 years later. John saw what's known as the glorified Christ. You read Revelation 1 and 2, and it talks about he was shining, just shining. And he said he was like the Son of Man. In other words, John knew it was Jesus. And, and he, of course, was one of the three in Matthew 17 that had been and experienced that thing called the transfiguration. So he, he, Peter said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. John said, we beheld his glory. So this is not the first time he's seen this. But, but John's the only one alive now. All the others are dead and martyred. And, 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 and he, he sees the glorified Christ. Okay? Watch what it says in John 7. It said, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus wasn't glorified. I know he wasn't glorified until after he left. So, if you want to find out about being filled with the Holy Spirit... You can't go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they only take you up to his resurrection and he leaves. Since the Holy Ghost wasn't given until after he was glorified, you've got to go beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find out about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which takes you to the very next book, which is the book of Acts. And they had Pentecost. They were all one place in one accord. Suddenly, sound from heaven, rushing, mighty Russian wind, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with tongues. So it just depends on where you are in your walk with God. If you wanna find out uh, about Jesus doing miracles, you're not gonna find it in the book of Acts. You're gonna find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You wanna find out about Bethlehem, you wanna find out about John the Baptist, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the book of Acts is the diary of the New Testament church, the actions of the apostles. And it's very, very critical because it says the Holy Ghost was not given because Jesus wasn't glorified. So so put these two verses together. Acts 16 and 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And John chapter 7, specifically, I think, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said. So you're saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you just can't believe anything You're gonna, what's the scripture say? That's very important. And so, so let's find out what the scripture says about believing. Here's Mark, last chapter of the book of Mark, Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. He that believeth on me, what's it say? And is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned." If you go on in these verses, it'll say, "'These signs shall follow them that believe.'" One of those things says, they'll speak with new tongues. Now this is the famous place where it says, they'll take up serpents and it won't harm them. I was raised in West Virginia, so I know about them snake churches. They're they're, they're still there. And it's wild, man, it's wild. you want to hear something funny, get on YouTube and, and look up Wendy Bagwell and the, the Sunlighters. And it's just, it's an old story. But I remember hearing, I, you know, Wendy Bagwell and his wife and Geraldine, they, they, they were singing at this church, probably in West Virginia, and they brought out them snakes, man. And, 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 and he looked at Geraldine and said, find the back door. And she said, I looked, there ain't one. And he said, "Reckon where do they want one?" You know, and, and this old lady came up with this big old rattlesnake. Said, "You mean to tell me, Brother Wendy, if the Lord told you to pick up a snake, you wouldn't do it?" He said, "Yes, ma'am, I surely would, but He didn't, and I ain't." <laughs> Let's use scripture to explain scripture. There's no place in the Bible where anybody intentionally picked up a snake. There is the story of Paul being shipwrecked. And went to build a fire and gathered up sticks and there was a snake and it bit him and it was it was it was gonna they're going ten nine eight they're fig- this dude's gonna drop dead turn purple stuff frothing out the side of his mouth and when he didn't they thought whoa this guy's a God and that gave Paul his opening he said no I'm not a God but I know God now let me talk to you about that and that's where this great revival broke out so he, it says, don't tempt the Lord thy God. I, 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 I wish, I really do. I, I wish I understood plumbing, and I wish I understood electricity. I have spent a small fortune in my lifetime hiring plumbers and electricians. If I took a bobby pin from one of you ladies right now and stuck it in one of these electrical outlets up here, you know, And said, now I want you to come up here. I want to volunteer. And I'm going to stick this thing underneath your finger now. Now, you don't have to be afraid because, first of all, do you understand electricity or not? Mm -mm, Good. then you're safe. Okay. I I fell from up there. Up there, man. That's a long, I was on a 50-foot extension ladder. And it broke. And I fell from up there. And I landed right here and broke all kinds of stuff, and it was a really bad day. But it shouldn't have happened to me because I don't understand how gravity works. You know, let's, let's all go outside. We'll have a ladder around here somewhere. We'll get somebody to climb up on the roof, but we'll ask them, do you understand gravity? No, good, perfect. Then go up there on that roof and step off. You'll be fine. <laughs> You know that's foolishness. Listen, there are unalterable laws of the universe, and they work whether you understand them or not. That's what a miracle is. It's the reversal of a natural law. Healing is one thing, that it progressively gets better, but a miracle, there's nothing progressive about that. Bam! That's a God thing. Okay? And and, and it, it, it's just... I'm chasing rabbits right now, but it's like, don't tempt God. There's, there's a guy named Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold is the greatest free climber alive in the world right now. He climbs without ropes, without carabiners, with pythons, any of that stuff. But all, he's, he's like the only one left. The, the, these, guys, these guys die. It's just I'm I'm telling you, you get up three thousand feet on some granite face, and you're you're just you got you you're just tempting fate here. It's just all it takes is one slip, and you you're in the obituary page. But it does say, these signs will follow them that believe. Look 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 what first here's First Peter three and twenty one, it says. The like figure, whereunto baptism doth now also save us. Let let me give you the example of Acts chapter 10. That's Cornelius, okay? Now, here's verse 43. Peter is teaching Cornelius again and his house. It says, to him, give all the prophets witness. That whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sins. Watch the next verse. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. And if I remember right, it'll say, And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter... Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out to give the Holy. Peter brought a posse with him. See, if you're a Jew, you don't go into a Gentile's house. They're dogs. You don't want nothing to do with them. Peter takes six pals with him to cover his tracks. And while he's teaching, they get the Holy Ghost. And these Jews that were with him were astonished. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, before Matthew gives you the next verse, let's ask this question. How did those Jews know that the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This is the toughest audience to convince. These Jews don't want anybody else in their church except Jews. When Peter said, for the promises unto you and your children and all that are far off, he didn't even understand what he was saying. Because his mental model of everybody was Jews. They're stunned. These guys are talking in tongues just like we were. So you get to the next verse. And he said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? I, there's two ways to look at this. But one way to look at it is Peter is almost desperate desperate saying, hey, guys, think of something fast. Because if you don't come up with a good reason to get me out of this, I'm going to have to baptize these dogs. Look at verse 48. They were baptized in the name of the Lord. So here's my question, youngins. What was Peter teaching when these people were filled with the Holy Ghost? He was teaching believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Peter yet spake these words, what words? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues. Now this is one of the only places in the Bible where people were filled with the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. But if you go into chapter 11, Peter goes back to Jerusalem and he's in real trouble, real trouble, because even though he is amazing, you know, Peter, I mean, he's the big deal, but he's obviously submitted to elders that are in that church. When he goes back to Jerusalem, they are seriously upset at him. What, what, are you, what, what, what were you doing in a dog's house? And he tells this story about this knitted sheet and these animals that came out of the sheet that he'd been taught all of his life. Don't eat them. You can't eat that. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. And he said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, no, no, I'm never going to eat anything that's unclean. And all of a sudden, after repeated visions, the Lord said, don't you ever call anything that I've cleansed common. Which means everyone that's been washed by the Lord is uncommon, unusual, unusual. Amazing. <laughs> and and, and, and look, look at verse 15 of Acts chapter 11. Peter said, he, he said, The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Now look at verse number 17. He said, These people, for as much as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was I that I could withstand, that I would withstand God? So what he's saying is, hey, fellas, we believed on the Lord in Acts 2, and we got the Holy Ghost. These people believed and got the Holy Ghost just like we did. So what, what could I do? And, and yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit before they were baptized for one reason. Them Peter would have never baptized them people in Jesus' name first. But he goes on to say they purified their heart by faith, which means what? They repented. You can get the Holy Ghost. Or you, 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 you 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 can you, you can get the Holy Ghost without being baptized. You're not going to get the Holy Ghost without repenting. And and, and, and and so this is this is vital because he, look, here's here's Acts 19. Now now Matthew's good enough to do this. And and this this here's Acts 19 and verse one. It said while Apollos was was at uh, um, what was it Corinth. Yeah, Paulus was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and found certain disciples. Now, now, if, if you can picture the Mediterranean Sea, oh, oh, I'll, I'll look at, over to your left is Corinth. So this great preacher was with Paul, Paul and Apollos. Apollos stayed in Corinth. Well, they don't have GPS. They don't have Loran. They don't, they don't have all this, all this stuff. These guys don't want to lose sight of land. And so when, when, when these captains of these ships, they, 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 they bounced. They, they didn't get too far. So they knew where they were. They didn't just go straight across the, 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 the Mediterranean. They were afraid. They didn't have the ability that we have now. And, and so they, if, if, you, if you go to your study Bible and you look at the missionary journeys of Paul, you'll, you'll see. Here, I know Matthew's got it. There he is. So over here to the left, is Corinth. You see that? See that green thing called Achaia all the way to the left? And see what the purple and the red things mean? There's that word, Corinth. Well, follow the purple line. Here they are going, that's what it's talking about. They're passing through the upper coast and he comes to Ephesus. There it is, farther down, just about halfway down that thing called Asia. Okay? So Paul comes to Ephesus and he finds disciples disciplined people, godly, righteous people. What they know about God, they love. And he says to them, have you ever been filled with the Holy Ghost? And they go, no, man, we don't even know if we can get the Holy Ghost. And he said, were you ever baptized? And they said, oh, you betcha. We are the original Baptist. John the Baptist baptized us. And in chronology, they say it's 18 years later. I I, I don't know exactly how you prove that, but people are a lot smarter than I'll ever be. Think it's about 18 years. So if you look at the the bigger picture of the Mediterranean, and and look, Ephesus Ephesus to Jerusalem, as the crow flies, is about 800 miles. So what has happened was, years before, they have been down by Jerusalem, and they've heard John the Baptist preaching. And John the Baptist said kingdom of heaven is at hand. Messiah's coming. You need to get ready. I'm the road builder. You'll like this. He said it's a fulfillment. I think it's Isaiah. He said I'm going to exalt the valley. I'm going to bring down the mountaintop. I'm going to straighten out the crooked and I'm going to smooth out the rough. I'm going to build a highway. You hear that Westlake? I'm going to build a highway. I'm the pavers. I, I'm gonna I'm going create a highway for the Lord to come down. In other words, I'm gonna get the people ready for Messiah. He said, now I'm gonna baptize you. He said, he did, he, 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 not for remission of sins. When I baptize you, I'm baptizing you unto repentance. When I baptize you, you are saying you're repenting and you just wanna be ready for, he said, when he comes, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay? So they get baptized by John the Baptist. They go home. This is one of the best accounts in the Bible I could ever explain to you. What is accepting Jesus as your personal Savior? It's repentance. Don't minimize it. It is a legitimate Experience an encounter with the Lord. Pentecostal is so quick to minimize people that have accepted the Lord as your, you go, Oh man, you, you, if you're not a tongue tucker, dude, you, you, you're going to hell. You know, and it's just cut it out. It's just angels rejoice when somebody repents. We need to rejoice. When some, you know, so many times we'll leave church say, well, nobody got baptized, with, nobody got filled with, whoa, 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 whoa. It would stun you what's happening in the hearts of people on Monday night prayer and Sundays when we come around the altar, even on dead, dull, boring Bible study. It may stun you what's going on in the heart of someone. When someone starts making a decision and realizing, I got to change. I I I I, I got to make a difference in my life. Angels start going. Yeah, yeah. you know. And it, but but Pentecost goes. Hey, you ain't got baptized yet. And I don't, I haven't heard you speak with tongues. But 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 look at this. these, these, these people have repented. It's changed their life. They're called disciples. I wish I had time to talk to you about the difference between disciple and apostle, but we can't get sidetracked with that right now. But what I do know is when Paul went there, let's say 18 years later, he finds these people still living in the afterglow of being baptized by John the Baptist, and their lives are different. They're not a bunch of heathens like their neighbors are. And he said, did you ever get the Holy Ghost? And they said, well, we, 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 we don't even know if, 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 if we can get the Holy Ghost. And, and, and But watch what it says in verse 2. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we, we don't even know if we can get the Holy Ghost. He said, you, did you ever get baptized? Yeah, John the Baptist baptized. But he said, don't you remember what John preached? Somebody was coming after him that was greater. He said, that person has come. His name is Jesus. Watch. When they heard this. Even, I remember Sophie, he's here somewhere, he's usually back there. Are you here, Sophie? There, I can see your hand. She said, I'll never forget Sophie saying, this is the third time I've been baptized. I got baptized when I was a baby, don't remember it. I got baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I do remember that. But tonight, I'm getting baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sophie, that's Acts 19. If there's anybody that should have got a free get out of jail card, it should have been the people baptized by John the Baptist. Okay, but no. when they heard this they were baptized again. What in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost No, I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a grandson That's the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost is now Father, Son, Holy Ghost The name is Jesus Christ when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Paul laid his hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues All right it, it, it. Watch Here's Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Paul said, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So now, let's take everything together that I've taught you for the last 45 minutes. People are saved By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. However, you have to believe as the scripture says. What does the scripture say about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ? In Mark 16, it says, if you believe, you will be baptized. In verse 17, it says, if you believe, you'll speak with new tongues. Peter taught the Cornelius in his house about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. They did, and the very next verse said they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And his explanation to the elders is, we did it, we got it, they did it, they got it. Did what? Believed. It's like Paul took for granted in Acts 19 that if you were a believer, you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he taught the Ephesian church. After you believe, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, here's my Bible lesson in one simple phrase. You're, let's use Scripture to explain Scripture. You are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you've got to believe according to the Scripture. And in the Scripture, when you believed, something always happened. You didn't just believe and didn't get baptized. You believed and got baptized. You didn't just believe and we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You believe and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just, I believe people are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's more than just mentally accepting the fact that he was here and that he died last Sunday on the cross and resurrected. It's more than that. It's more than just just a, a mental yes or no. I need to identify what is the gospel. The gospel is death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. The Bible said in Romans chapter one and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. What is the gospel? The good news. No, 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 no. The gospel is death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus died. We need to die. Jesus was buried. We need to be buried. Jesus was filled or Jesus resurrected. We need to be resurrected. So how do we identify with his death? By repenting. How do we identify with his burial? Romans 6 and 4 said, you're buried with Christ by baptism. Colossians 2 and 12 says the very same thing. Look at Romans chapter 8. If the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it's going to do to you what it did to him. What does it mean? Resurrection is the infilling of a, of, a, of a dead, buried corpse. And when we identify with his death through repentance and through his burial through water baptism, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that, according to Romans 8, is biblical resurrection. It's that simple. You know, people say, you know, I don't need to be baptized. You, you're denying the grave. I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. and I, You're denying the resurrection. I, I've told some of you this story. Be, be behind this screen, there's, there's, there used to be a window. I don't, I don't know if it's still there or not. can't see. I, I think it's covered up now. But when, we, when the architect was designing this building, he used to be Greek Orthodox. And he said, where's the cross? I said, not going to have a cross. He said, you got to have a cross. I said, no we don't, we not have to have a cross. I said, I tell you what, we're gonna, we'll put a big hole in one of the drywall walls, big hole. And he looked at me like I was from Mars, and he said, what are you talking about? I said, resurrection. I said, don't you understand, Art? Thousands of people died on the cross. And people say, you're minimizing the cross. I'm minimizing people that keep doing this. And don't go any further. Read Corinthians 15. Paul said if he didn't resurrect, we're living in de- de- deception. We might as well go to the ball game and get drunk. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that validated everything else that he did. And that's why I've never seen a church with an empty tomb. In the side of their wall. So he put four windows up there. And there's a big old cross. And when we built the building. We said. Ah. Or it an got his cross. <laughs> and it's like. This is more than just repentance. Ladies and gentlemen. This is more than just accepting Jesus. As your savior. Remember that wristband. WWJD. What would Jesus do? I've asked people. Do you understand where that comes from? They go. "Oh." Uh-uh. It's a book called *In His Steps*. Years ago, a guy named Charles Sheldon wrote this book called *In His Steps*. It's the story of a church that needs a pastor, and so they can't find a pastor. So they ask a young man in their church, "Look, uh, the board met, and uh, we'd like you to be our new pastor. Would you be interested in doing that?" And he goes, "Uh, "Well, I I don't never been to seminary. I don't really have any formal training, but..." If you want me to try and pastor the church, I'll do my best. So he reads this verse in Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 that said he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And so this guy goes, oh, that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to pastor. Every time I come up against a problem, I'm going to get in the New Testament and I'm going to read and ask myself, if Jesus was in a situation like this, what would he do? And so the book is about all the problems and the hell and the havoc and the chaos that this young pastor got into, not with the sinners, but with the church people. Because when he said, I think Jesus would forgive these people. And they go, what? Forgive them? Who, 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 why would you do that? Because I think that's what Jesus would do. And so WWJD, I, I think we could have our own wristband that says ID, WJD. I know what Jesus did. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. The question is, have we done what Jesus did? So I did what Jesus did. Jesus died, I died. Jesus was buried, I was buried. Jesus was resurrected, I was resurrected. And when that happens, it's a good day. Stand. Stand. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Again, meat and potatoes. But whenever you hear someone from now on say, you've got to you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, remember what this, I, what, what did Pastor Hubbard say? No, what does Scripture say? Scripture says if you believe, you'll be baptized. If you believe, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not just repentance. There's more to this than that. Okay? Lord Jesus We thank you for the richness of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we have a good explanation for where we are standing, that we are not just flying by the seat of our pants and making this up as we go along, but we have Bible for repentance. We have Bible for being baptized in your name. We have Bible for being filled with the Holy Spirit and being so full of that that you literally take control of my tongue and magnify your glory in a language I never knew. Lord Jesus, we are expecting and advocating in this church for the rest of time until you show back up. Let us always be a church that preaches believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as the scripture says. We want to be preaching repentance and magnifying you and being grateful, God, when somebody repents. When somebody's buried in your name and you get Alzheimer's and forget everything they've ever done and wash the slate clean, we want to magnify you for that. When someone is so filled with your spirit, they literally magnify you in another language. We want to exalt you with them while they do that. Jesus, I want to be an axe church. I want to be a part of something that I can open up the Bible and say, I got baptized just like those people got baptized. I was filled with the Holy Spirit just like they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That we make our peace, our calling, and our election sure. I want all of that confidence to be in the people that call this place home. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and call it done. Amen. Good night. And may God bless you. Amen.